Onyx Bay wow. where <laughs> with Comrade No, please. Don't stop. Please well, keep going. <laughs> like <laughs> Welcome to Comics don't. Bay with Comrade Hannah. <laughs> That's oh my god. Yeah, don't so let much. don't let the face that I'm currently making deter you. Please just keep going. Like <laughs> I thought you loved all things Russian, Hannah. I, I thought this would bring uh, us closer together. Yeah, that's right. And you know what? <laughs> Fuck off. Let's hear your comic. Let's hear your Russian accent. No. I mean, as the listeners already know, I do a pitch-perfect, yeah. seamless French accent. Um, oui, oui. Right. But I... <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I'm not going to do a Russian accent. There, It does not sound good. There is no way. So you're telling me, yet? Uh, da. <laughs> <laughs> das Vidanya, bitch! <laughs> uh, well, uh, this week we read Superman Red Sun, and we had a lot of feelings about it. This was kind of a weird thought experiment. It was an emotional ro- roller coaster. Oh, absolutely, because <laughs> it took the thing that Hana hates most in this world. Which is Superman. And combined it with the thing that she loves most in this world. Which is Mother Russia. (laughs) Are you even Russian? No. I knew that. I just wanted to get it on the record. Also, it's like, just to specify, it's like, I find Russian history fascinating. I think that Russia as a culture and just like as a historical entity is so interesting. Um, Yeah. So I was definitely down to read um, this interpretation of my most hated um comic book nemesis yeah i would i would call him a foe for sure you hate superman with the fire of a thousand suns i just don't like that other people like superman i love Superman, which i've never understood and i i just i don't like it i don't know he's so boring he's just like he's like a piece of toast he's just like a piece of toast that fights crime like it's he is the worst you basic before we hop into how awful you think superman is we should say Superman Red Sun, the basic premise of it is Superman lands in a Soviet collective instead of the amber wave of, of grain. Kansas grain. Kansas grain. You know, instead, yeah. instead of Ma and Pa Kent, it's Comrade <laughs> Kent and Comrade <laughs> Ma yeah. Kent. Uh, <laughs> oh, Pretty man. much. Yeah, if you're looking for apple pie, baseball, Americana bullshit, get out of here. It's Ruski, Breadlines, and Ukraine Commune. So this book really could have gone either way. You could have either despised it, mm-hmm. and you know this whole podcast could be like venom and vitriol spilling out of your frothing mouth, or you could love it. And I actually, where did you fall? I mean, it was like, look, I before I even read it, I was already on board. Because first of all, Russia, we've already explored yes. this. Second of all, I love alternate universes alternate timelines i love like you take something that everyone knows it's like a classic and i love a good twist um i also mm, sure um i also love an origin story i'm here for that every single like i will even for superman my most hated foe (laughs) um i love an origin story okay so i guess like when you get down to it it's like on the surface it seems like you could have hated it but really when it comes down to it it's like yeah, it was a pretty decent shot that you would really like it. Yeah. I I kind of had a feeling you, I leaned more towards you would like it just because it's full of all sorts of edgelord, like, ooh, a dark timeline oh where Superman is an evil person and 
the world is da 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 I think you're simplifying it way too much, and we'll get into this after <laughs> we summarize it, but it's not that edgelordy. Like, I was reading this expecting, because you prefaced that, where you're like, look, this is going to be kind of like, ooh, like dark and stormy. And it's like, it's not, but it it's it's a fa- it has something to say. This comic definitely has something to say, which I love, and I feel like that's why I had, I like, my problems with, like, comics like... Usagi and Bone and I forget what other comics I also hated, but like, <laughs> it's just... I just feel like this actually says something, and you walk away from it, and you're actually like still having a lot of thoughts, and you could have conversations about this. Oh One my. of which we will have on this podcast. Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> this comic—it's like, for me, this is just such like by the numbers mainstream garbage. Uh, wow. Actually, that's not true. I know. Actually, I was like, this is not, like, what are you even talking about? I know. This is, I, like, not I really like mainstream. this book. This book is a great story. I have a lot of yeah, issues. Take it back, you fucking I have a lot of issues pig. with the writer, Mark Millar, which we will again get into later. But overall, I really enjoyed this book, even though I like my Superman to be a little bit more aspirational. Boo. Lame. <laughs> Just a big fucking Boy Scout. Yeah. He's like, well, oh, I don't kill. Oh, I'm Superman. No, oh. a person who does the right thing, even no. when the right thing is the hard choice. Oh, but this is why I love this comic so much, is because yeah. even the right thing, when taken to the extreme, can be too right. Mm, oh. Interesting. Philosophical debate. <laughs> Tell me more. No, I'm going to summarize this for That's you. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I... Okay, so, Superman... Red Sun, spelled not like the sun, but I'm sure that's they're trying to be punny. But... Yes, because if Superman were to live under a red sun, he would lose all his powers. <sighs> I've already tuned you out. Because it is um, the yellow <laughs> sun that gives Superman his invulnerability, flight, speed. Don't care. Okay. Do not care. Um, zero. Zero <laughs> fucks. <laughs> yeah, take your Superman knowledge and just get the fuck out of here. So it's Red Sun, spelled S-O-N, um, so like the son of Mother Russia. Um, oh, son of a bitch. Okay, sure. Superman Red Sun is basically an alternative take on the Superman story where instead of landing in the fields of Kansas in the USA, he lands in the Ukraine in a, in a collective in like 1938. That's something that we've already discussed. The year Superman was first published. Nice touch, Millar. Don't care. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool, too, because every character that is part of the Superman universe gets a an alternative makeover, which I fucking love. Untrue. Um, Yes. No, they do. He doesn't have a mermaid girlfriend in this one. Get. <laughs> Sorry. I am Sorry. uninterested in this back, like, fucking <laughs> deep cut Superman knowledge that you're going to bring to this podcast. I'm sorry. I do not want I'm, it. You know who you married. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you so much, but, like, I'm not. <laughs> the hatred in your eyes tells another story. <laughs> I just fucking hate Superman so much. Just let me... Like, roll around in my commie dream of glory. Okay. All right. Lois Lane, she's married to Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor is not evil at this point. He's just kind of, like, shitty and preoccupied by how much of a genius he is. Um, Jimmy Olsen is working for the CIA as part of, like, the government initiative to kind of, like, create the first super being that's not Superman. I think they're just kind of trying to match... It's kind of like... It's like the space race, but with super heat. Yeah, or the nuclear missiles. It's like, we're kind of... Right. Yeah. Wonder Woman, she's like... She's kind of just, like, hanging out. She basically ends up working with Superman to, like, help push the Russian agenda, which is kind of interesting. Um, Batman, who is my favorite character in this whole book, Uh. 
He becomes, and just in general, I love Batman. He becomes basically like an anti-Stalin, anti-Superman sort of freedom fighter or a terrorist, depending on who you ask. But he's essentially the same thing that he is in the normal comics where he's sort of a vigilante, but way more interesting uh, in this sort of alternative universe in Russia. Sorry, do you mean he, Batman, is way more interesting than regular Batman? Uh, Yeah, I think so. So you like this, you like Batman cough? More than, but yeah, <laughs> he's yes, got he's got these little he's got that Russian hat with the oh flaps. yeah with the, so, and like the little the the shearling front oh my but god but he still has those goddamn devil horns do not <laughs> do not even bat ears stop stop <laughs> I will fucking cut this podcast off right now <laughs> like. We're moving on immediately. I didn't okay. say anything. Don't just... <laughs> okay. Huh. This Superman story, it spans the years um, 1953 to 2001. And it's essentially, even though um, Superman lands in the cornfields of the Ukraine um, in 1938, we kind of come in at the point where Superman has exposed himself as the super person that he is, and he is essentially working for Stalin. Yeah. The other man of steel really is that yeah that was one of his moves. oh wow yeah. i actually didn't know that kind of a cool little yeah i honestly don't know <laughs> i have a very surface level knowledge of all history <laughs> so so like i don't know much more beyond like yeah stalin man of steel <laughs> like sure okay yeah. <laughs> in 1953 superman sort of like comes to the forefront he's kind of discovered and he starts fighting crime slash working for the soviet union um, meanwhile, so this reveal sort of causes widespread panic in the United States. Oh, yeah, the U.S. is shitting its pants. Yeah, they're just like, fuck. Like, the Cold War basically switches focus from becoming, like, about nuclear weapons and, like, an arms race to becoming about superhumans. So it's it's kind of cool because they use the Cold War and sort of, like, that um, sort of Cold War fervor and, like, space race and nuclear race, and they switch it over in this comic to be more about, like, superhumans, which I thought was really neat. Yeah, it's all about escalation. And then the government, Jimmy Olsen, basically reaches out to, like, the premier United States scientist, um, Lex Luthor, who at this point, again, he's a dick, but he's not, like, the evil genius that we know and love. He, Lex Luthor, starts working on the prototype for the United States Superman. Yeah, he... Which is, like, a a poor imitation of actual Superman. So this is a reference to um, Bizarro. Oh, Basically, because yeah. you have the... Bizarro is essentially the opposite Superman. Very confusing, convoluted history. Kind of... I don't like him because I feel like his speech pattern is annoying. So I really like that they created him in this comic. They had But he never speaks. Yeah, because, <laughs> like, it's so whack. In the comics, he's always like, me and Bizarro. Yeah. You, and it gets very tiresome very quickly. This is a much cooler... It's very clean. It's just, like, I, I like that. He's a monstrous Superman. He's a poor copy of Superman. Right. And so um, that's kind of like Lex Luthor's first attempt at like defeating Superman. Superman obviously easily defeats the United States sort of bizarro Superman. And this sort of sets off this kind of chain, or not a chain reaction, yeah, kind of, where it's like Lex Luthor is basically like, fuck you, Superman. Like my goal in life now is to take you down. And so that sort of starts off the rivalry between Lex Luthor and Superman in this sort of like Russian universe. Lex represents, you know, theoretically the most that humanity can achieve. You know, the brilliant mind and all this. And Superman, but it's never good enough to defeat. It'll yeah. never be. Superman's, you know, born this way, and he's right. amazing, and it's he's an affront to Lex Luthor. Meanwhile, 
Stalin is kind of getting older and obviously he wants Superman to sort of step into his shoes. Um, you have sort of his illegitimate son, Peter. Piotr. Piotr. Oh, yeah. Oof, yeah. Was, oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> Just don't. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, anyway, moving on from I that. felt like mine was kind of Muppets more than Russian. No, it was good. It was, I, I mean, no. Stalin's illegitimate son, he's kind of hanging out in the background, and he obviously is sort of like waiting in the wings to kind of swoop in and take over power from Stalin. So him and Superman kind of have this weird relationship where it's uh it's definitely fraught with tension. Um Peter obviously hates Superman because he's sort of like usurped his place as his father's second in command. Yeah, he it's pretty one-sided rivalry. It really is. Well, and that's the thing because Superman has no emotions and is just a blank no, slate of it's, toast. He's not he doesn't seek power. He's a at his core, he's a good person. Whether he's raised in a Soviet collective or the fields of the USA, it's like he is a good person but it's and he also doesn't just like, seek power. Superman is the human equivalent, sorry, because he's an alien, but he's the human equivalent of your parents saying, I'm disappointed in you. Like, versus actually being mad at you. Does that make sense? Because he knows you can do better. And it's the worst. It's <laughs> so annoying. Anyway, so him and Peter kind of have this rivalry. Um, Peter poisons Stalin, and Superman... There's this void left where it's like no one knows who's going to take power. At the same time, Superman encounters, like, an old flame, Lana... R- the Russian version of... Lang. Lang. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like <laughs> Langovsky. Um, so he runs into her, and her and her kids are, like, waiting in this bread line, and they're like, yeah, we came up to the Capitol, um, we spent all of our money to come here for Stalin's funeral, but now, you know, because we're broke, we have to wait in this bread line, and Superman kind of realizes, he's like, oh my god, he's like, if I don't step in to make humanity better, or even to just, like, help in some way... Like, he's like, I'm, I'm becoming a bad person where it's like, I'm not, I'm not doing the most that I can. So after that interaction, he ends up stepping into Stalin's role and he takes power. What follows is unprecedented, like, utopia. He essentially turns the Soviet Union into paradise. Like, in the next, like, 10 or 15 years, I think it spans, um, he essentially, like, in a completely peaceful takeover, adopts the entire world except for the united states under his control so this was like in real world history this was what the united states was afraid of was like a, the spread of communism right. that's why we went over to vietnam is like we've got to stop the spread of communism yeah. and it but the thing is in this alternate history superman his soviet union is so idyllic that everybody voluntarily joins it's only the united states who is like you know digging yeah. their heels in the ground and so like at at one point in the book, it's like, it is the only country that isn't, um, you know, it's not part of paradise, and it's, things are rough. The year is, like, 1978, and the United States is, like, on the verge of social collapse. Lex Luthor is still kind of, like, in his lab, like, trying to figure out a way to take down Superman. So for the past few decades, or decade, I guess, he's been... Yeah. He, they've been... You don't really see it, but he's been throwing... He's been creating superhumans and sort of sending them to take down Superman, and nothing's really worked. Right. But meanwhile, also, it's like, this is, okay, and this is what I loved about this comic, because even though the Soviet Union is essentially like a utopian paradise, and they have peacefully taken over the entire world, Superman has kind of turned into this very big brother-like figure, where it's like, when we flash forward in the comic, um, we see that there are a ton of people in the Soviet Union who have these kind of, like, 
brain modification devices and it's like it's this thing that he has implanted where it's like oh like you're not bending to the will of like the communist government like that's fine we're just gonna like modify your they basically lobotomize them yeah it's like thought policing exactly make sure you're thinking the proper things right which that's the kind of shit i'm here for so interesting aside uh, and we can cut this if it's not an interesting <laughs> Um But Superman was based partially on uh, Doc Savage, an old pulp hero from the 1930s. And in some of those early Doc Savage things, they have this thing where he like does brain surgery on villains to sort of get rid of their antisocial te- tendencies and yeah. turn them into productive members of society. And in those early days, it was actually seen as like a oh, it's a good thing for society. Oh my god! And then I think, but so I, I think this is. I'm pretty sure that this is a reference by Mark Millar, a sort of tongue-in-cheek reference yeah. to that, but also sort of giving it its proper due as a rather villainous thing to do, you know? Well, and this just goes back to what I was mentioning before, which is what I loved so much about this comic, where it's like, any good thing, if taken to the nth degree, becomes bad. I With this, specifically, like, I just thought that that was so cool, where it's like, Superman, like, with even though he has the best of intentions, like, yeah. his solution is fucked up. It's, yeah, it's mind control. It's like censorship of thought. So anyway, so that's sort of the scene that we find ourselves at. Meanwhile, like all of these years, Batman has sort of been like living in hiding and like coming out as he's gotten older to sort of like wreak havoc on Superman's, um, you know, Soviet Union paradise. Because? Well, it turns out that Peter um, killed his parents because they were printing out anti-super superman uh propaganda so he sees his parents shot down by the kgb when he's like a young kid and obviously as a result he grows up to become like a very anti-superman a very anti-government um sort of figure batman cough batman cough yeah at this time it's like wonder woman and superman are sort of working together to kind of like create this utopian paradise in the soviet union and batman as a way to try and destroy superman he captures wonder woman and he lures superman into um one of stalin's old like uh work camps wonder woman who in this comic she has had kind of a romantic thing with him they never it never comes to fruition it's very one-sided she's got romantic inclinations towards towards superman Superman. yeah Yeah. and so at this point so she breaks free but in doing so she's being controlled by her own lasso and in breaking free she actually does a huge amount of damage to herself she like sort of like borderline catatonic oh yeah totally it really fucks her up but um superman is able to break free and batman cough um, he kills himself rather than become one of Superman's like brainless lobotomized drones. Right. And that whole sequence, I just thought was so cool. Like I just thought like it made total sense. It was really neat how they like tied in like Stalin's like really terrible history. And that's another thing I wanted to mention is like I really liked how they portrayed Stalin. Well, I think one interesting thing about this is that Superman is born in the Soviet union he believes in the soviet like he believes in the communist i guess propaganda he believes in the ideals of communism but also he sort of understands that he is antithetical to communist uh propaganda the fact that all men are created equal because he's so clearly above them yeah and so he essentially wants to do good throughout the book is he doesn't always do good but he wants to um some shit goes down in america and he stops a disaster there he stops disasters in london he is about helping people right and he sort of only steps up 
to the the like the role of a dictator because he feels that it's the best way he can help people. But I also kind of loved that because that taps into like one of the things that I always have a problem with Superman because I feel like he's given too much humanity, and I understand that that's done on purpose because he's like raised by humans, like he you know all he knows is humanity. But then it's like I like that they gave him that coldness where it's like he doesn't understand. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, oh, he's like, uh, the fastest point from A to B is this way, so why would we not do that? Yeah. Instead of having, um, you know, what you would have as, like, a, a human being where you're like, oh, well, you know, what are the moral ramifications of this? You know what I mean? So yeah. but that's another reason why I like this book. Anyway, so Wonder Woman's kind of fucked up. She's like, she kind of disappears for a while because she's essentially, she's been fucking brain damaged by essentially sacrificing herself to free Superman. Batman is dead. So at this point, the U.S. elects um, Lex Luthor as the president of the United States. Um, and using his, like, scientific expertise, like, uh, massive changes happen in the United States. He basically pulls the U.S. out of this sort of, like, they're on the on the verge of, like, socioeconomic collapse. And he essentially, like, saves them. He nationalizes everything. He, yeah. Yeah, he, he basically turns it around, turns it around. He brings prosperity to the United States. This is really only part of a more general plan to get Superman to invade the United States. That's kind of become Lex Luthor's, like, ultimate goal because he thinks that once he, do, he does that, he'll be able to finally kill Superman. Yeah, Superman's whole thing is, like, he doesn't... He could just invade the United States, but he wants to win the Battle of Philosophies. Mm -hmm. And Lex Luthor kind of throws a wrench in that plan by saving the United States from collapse and basically, like, turning them into, like... I guess it's sort of utopian, because everything's going really well for the U.S. Yeah, they actually, during this time, too, they... Another superhero cameo that I actually really liked, the Green Lantern shows up. He's, like, an uh, ex-military pilot... Yeah, P-O-W. Um, yeah, and so he shows up and they establish what they're calling the Green Lantern Corps. And it's essentially like a an entire army of like Green Lantern fighters, which I thought was like a really cool twist. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. I, I don't know that much about the Green Lantern. He's never really been my favorite superhero. Me neither. I mean, but, he, but it's cool that they sort of wove him in as obviously they've got Batman and Wonder Woman. I thought that that was a really cool touch. Lex Luthor sort of unites like the Green Lantern Corps and they attack and Superman agrees that at this point, his hand has kind of been forced, and he basically prepares to attack the United States. Battle ensues, yada yada, and then Superman, as he's gaining more and more ground, Lois Lane, she shows up. Um, he's on the grass of the White House, and she's like, I have a note for you. And it's basically like a note that Lex Luthor wrote to Superman and gave to Lois Lane like before you know, any of this happened. So she gives it to him and the note just says, why don't you just put the whole world in a bottle, Superman? And basically this is an allusion back to um, another villain that Superman had called Brainiac who trapped all of Stalingrad inside a bottle. And Superman, it's like, it's his one biggest regret that he's never been able to reverse that. So this fucks him up. Like this like gets into his head and Superman has a moment where he realizes how out of control he's gotten. He controls the entire world. He's brain modifying like all of his like a lot of the people that like live and work under him he's invading the united states 
he realizes in that moment that he has gone too far. He takes the weapon that they were going to use to destroy the United States and he flies it into space, presumably killing himself. And then sort of like in the wake of Superman's death, Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor unites the world under the global United States. A benevolent world government is formed. Uh, Luthor presides over a string of like, you know, like scientific achievements. He cures all diseases. They colonize the entire solar system and he ends up living for like over a thousand years. He lives a, like an, obs an insanely an long time. And then isn't like on his deathbed, like his greatest like achievement. They ask him and he's just yeah. like killing the alien. Yeah, like... no, exactly. And it's like, it's really interesting too, because um, Superman actually does come back. So this whole time we've thought that he has, he's dead. Um, but at Lex Luthor's funeral, Lois Lane thinks that she's She's sort of him. like a, yeah, and he's in his Clark Kent persona. Yeah, exactly. Like... Which is, it's kind of funny. And it's like, um, I like how they did that though, because you know, obviously she's so old at that point that it kind of makes sense that she wouldn't recognize him. She's like, oh, is that? Yeah. And it's been so many years where it's like, I thought it was a nice nod to how stupid the Clark Kent disguises, but it, it made sense in this context. I, you're so I upset right now. Disagree. But I disagree. I like, I used to be like you where I was like, oh, glasses wouldn't hide who yeah. he is. But I, there's this one artist, Frank Quietly, who he did these drawings of his Clark Kent versus Superman. Yeah. And his Clark Kent is kind of hunched over with his chin kind of tucked in so he looks like he's got a double chin uh, and then his superman is straight standing straight up you know like yeah no glass and it's like the difference between the two it's just a posture thing but it's enough of a difference that you can kind of sell that point so i used to be in your camp of like oh it's so dumb that just glasses would would that. totally disguise someone. But I believe with a little bit of, like, physical acting and, a, like, a, and a meek yeah. enough persona, I think you could pull it off. Man, but it's crazy that he had to maintain that constantly. I yeah. Mean, I, but I guess he is an alien, so... I, I do... It cracks me up because I'm like, man, like, if you spent, you know eight of your work hours yeah. or whatever in a bad posture oh it's like God. that would like fuck you up you know like yeah you'd be like superman with a bad back because he's <laughs> been like hunched over a computer for... and like what if he slips up one day and he's just like wow like clark you're clark, you're, you're like you're looking very majestic yeah. yeah like oh like <laughs> anyway so um you kind of so you realize that superman has been alive this whole time and he's just pieced out from earth because he realized just the impact that his leadership was having which again too much of a good thing kind of like communism fast forward billions of years in the future earth is being torn apart by like tidal waves from the sun it's essentially like the sun has gone from yellow to red it, you know it's like our sun is dying the earth is being you know it's like you know millions of years from now this earth will die it'll be gone and so i think that's essentially what this is is like it's inevitable the the planet's going to die yeah and at this point the benevolent world government that lex luther founded it's gone enough generations that, like, they sort of are, like, ignoring the signs of their impending doom, except one scientist and his wife realize what's going on. And their names are? are Jor-El and Lara. Boom, baby! Superman's parents? What? Yeah, so we find out that Lex Luthor's descendants are actually Superman's parents, and they put little Kal-El... Um, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Thank you. Oh. Um, yes, I know. I'm I'm so good at comics. Um, they like they put him into the spaceship and they send him back to Earth and they're like we're going to send him into the past so that hopefully he can stop all this. And then 
Flash forward to his little spaceship landing in the Ukrainian commune in 1938, where the story began. Boom! Like, I just... Time circles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to say it. Fucking time circles. <laughs> um, I really like... This was such a nice touch, because I still remember the first time I read it. I was like, Lex Luthor establishes the benevolent world dictator. He has his greatest achievement, dies. And then it kind of lists a few of his, like, descendants. And as you get further into the future the name Luther starts to change and be shortened. And then it happens so naturally that when they're like, oh, Jor-El, you're like, oh my God. Like it was masterfully done. I really liked it. The only issue I have with this is I wish he had landed in America this time around. Like it, if it was like Me some too. weird time yeah. circle that was like different every time. I oh, think that totally. Been cool. No, I, I'm completely on board with that. I would have loved if he had landed the second time in like the fields of Kansas. And it's just like, just essentially implying that the Superman that we know is actually, like, he could so easily have been the Russian communist, like... If not for one rotation of... You know, I know. You know, uh, no, but I, I just, I love that so much, and this is why I love this book so much, is because it's like communism and capitalism. It's like two sides of the same fucking coin. Like, it's just, like, fascinating. I just, I loved it so much. I like it, too, because, like, if you think about it, like neither one it's like you know we have these philosophical debates about communism versus capitalism but it's like we don't live in a purely capitalist society the united states is not a purely capitalist society we've we right. have a lot of social safety nets are you know it's debatable whether they're a good thing or a bad thing i think depending on where you are on the political spectrum mm -hmm. but we don't live in a purely capitalist society mm -hmm. and in this book like lex luther takes over and it's like both sides are willing to do whatever is necessary to win the argument, even if it means changing their philosophies. Yeah. Where, like, Superman goes against the grain of the cap of the communist philosophy, and he sort of creates, like, you know, he is the powerful figurehead of, quote-unquote, communism. Right. And Lex Luthor essentially nationalizes all industry mm -hmm. and creates a society that is not capitalist either. So it's like you have two philosophical arguments that aren't even really true to their their core. It, it's just interesting to me. No, how... I, I mean, I loved how much, like, Superman, just as he is, is probably, like, the least communist... You would not pick him as, like, a communist symbol because it's, like, he is, he is born more privileged than the rest of us. He essentially is, like, he has power bestowed upon him he did not earn that power you know what i mean it's like i just think that that was fascinating how would you rate this book uh a plus a plus yeah i loved it it was so good is that okay i if i'm not mistaken that's one of the highest ratings you've given over the course of this podcast yeah i think i gave seven to eternity marvels and this i think have been my highest rated okay so rank those three if you don't if you don't mind okay yeah it. for sure marvels number one Knew red it. sun number two. Ooh, actually I'm going to go Seven to Eternity 2, and this is 3. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't I, expect that. I just, I love Seven to Eternity. I still want to pick up the other volumes. I have not. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm a little surprised. Uh, I had a feeling Marvel's was your number one. It's but just so good. It's, it's character-driven. It's like, it's everything I want. Yeah. This book has some great, like, design, too. If you get a chance to check this book out, like, there's just... It's so cool how they took all this Soviet propaganda, like... Oh, yeah. And they sort of... They turned it into... It's really cool. They're also, all... like, Superman's redesign where he has the hammer and sickle instead of the big superhero S as, like, his sort of shield on his chest. I kind of like, too, that it has the black... So, the black inside of the, the crest. Yeah. 
because like the original Superman, his crest was like red and black. Oh wow! And um, so that's like Golden Age Superman, and so I, I kind of like it because it's a little bit villainous, you know. It, it is no, I mean, and that's I I loved the color scheme in this. Yeah, I loved all of the nod to like um, early Cold War Russian propaganda. Oh, so good. I okay. What would you rate it? Uh, I'd give it an A plus. Actually, just a solid A. Okay. Um, it it's a it's a really good book. I like it a lot. I. I also like you're gonna hate this, but like it it just makes me appreciate Superman even more because like especially like early Superman from the Golden Age was such a fucking rabble rouser and like he essentially was a socialist, you know, like he was always fighting against like the CEO of a mining company who was like not following safety regulations and like the early Superman was this sort of like hero of the common man yeah. and he sort of loses that in the 50s and 60s when he goes like really sci-fi, really corny. And but so I, I kind of like that this book is really quite a great nod to like Superman overall. I it made me appreciate the Superman that we have here in the good old US of A. <laughs> I mean, I feel the same way, but almost in a different, uh, like a different flavor of that same sentiment. I feel like it makes you loathe the Superman that we have because he's not a Russian. <laughs> no, that no, that's definitely. I still think that Superman is the driest, dumbest superhero to ever have been created. Um, but I think it's fascinating that they, again, like I mentioned before, that they turn that to um, its natural conclusion where it's like too much of a good thing and it turns into evil. You take anything and you yeah. um, extremify it. That's not a word, but I'm using it here. <laughs> and um, and it, it becomes dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying, but that's... The joy of fiction, I think, is that it's like you can't have an all-powerful, benevolent being mm -hmm. that is solely interested in the well-being of humanity and his loved ones. And yet ones he and, still fucks up. Yeah. And so I like Superman. Okay, and I don't well. think he's... I, I don't want to get into this argument. I think our biggest arguments have been over Superman. They have, yes. But... And manga. Will you concede <laughs> that you can tell good Superman stories? Um, I think that Superman can be in good stories. I don't think that there are good Superman stories. Does that make sense? This is a good Superman story. I think it's a story that Superman is in. I don't think that it's necessarily You're about splitting him. hairs. <laughs> and look, will you concede you, you've lost the philosophical argument to Lex Luthor? What do you mean? I'm Lex Luthor in this situation. You can tell. <laughs> I, you really had to spell that one out for me because I don't, I don't can... think I would have made that natural. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, just to go back to the art really fast. I, again, I just really like it. I, I really am fascinated by this period in Russian history. Um, it's sort of post uh, czar. I mean, I, I just love Russian history in general. I just think that it's a fascinating country. Um, I would never want to go there or live there, but I am extremely interested in, like, their history, and I think that this was a really cool comic um, adaptation of, like, what that period of time could have looked like in an alternative history. Yeah, and all credit to the, the artistic team on this one. It actually, it's kind of a strange book because it, it has four different artists on it, um, two different pencilers and two different inkers, if I'm not mistaken. That's actually really interesting because I... I would not have been able to tell. I yeah. thought it was pretty seamless. I did too. And it's like, I, I actually had to like, when I was like looking into this book, I was like, oh crap. Like I didn't even realize there was a transition. And so we've got Dave Johnson, Killian Plunkett, Walden Wong, and Andrew Robinson are the art team. Okay. 
And they, I mean, it's like, I love how you throw out these names because they mean nothing to me. I, like, you know, I, honestly, like, <laughs> like, as I was, I, I cannot stress enough how amazing this book looks. Like, just from the design standpoint yeah. and from an artistic standpoint, it looks incredible. But to be honest, like, most of these guys have just done, like, DC work or Marvel work. And it's like, I could sit here and list a bunch of titles and issues, but yeah, why? You know? Yeah. Again, they really knocked it out of the park. It looks fucking great. The creative person I'm most interested in in this book is Mark Millar. Right, you're your nemesis. My nemesis. Yeah. Because, like, I hate Mark Millar. I loathe Mark Millar. <laughs> with... No, that's not true. He's a complicated figure, I think, uh, in comics, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion. I think he's said a lot of hateful things. I think he's written a lot of hateful things. But at the same time, like... I don't really know whether he's like a damaged person or if he is just a sort of like cunning capitalist, like a shrewd businessman who's real, who realizes Lex Luthor. Kind of. (laughs) He's my Lex Luthor for sure. Uh So he's a Scottish writer. He's famous for writing Kick-Ass, Wanted, Civil War, Old Man Logan, the Ultimates. Wait, Civil War, the comic or Civil War, the movie? Civil War, the comics. Okay. But a lot of that stuff went into the movie. Interesting. A lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. is actually... He, a lot of his ideas made it onto the big screen. Mm. And wait, like, is Wanted that one with James McAvoy and Angelina Jolie where like that office worker becomes like a fucking assassin? Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> that comic... And the movie are almost like nothing like. Okay, nothing wait. Like. So are you then listing off right now comics? These are comics, but also movies. I was gonna say, oh, like so many. I thought you were listing off movies because so many of these I recognize as movie titles. Okay. Yeah, he. That's what I'm saying. Is like, is he a hateful, mentally yeah. damaged person, or is he a shrewd businessman who realizes what sells? Interesting. So I don't really feel like. I'm in a place to judge him. Okay. Um, so I thought we'd play a little game if you're down. Oh, God. It's a game called The Feather of Truth. The Feather of Truth. So, <laughs> so in, sure. the, okay. in the Egyptian afterlife, Ooh. your heart is taken out. I know placed, where you're headed with this. And placed on a scale and weighed against the Feather of Truth. You're such a fucking nerd, and I love you so much. <laughs> and, and if your heart is heavier yeah. than the feather, right. you go to hell. Okay. And if it's lighter, you go to heaven or wherever. Okay, okay, okay. You get it. You get it. Okay. Uh So let's just take a moment to imagine that Mark Millar has died. (sighs) You look so at peace. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we've taken out his heart, and you are Anubis, the god of death. Okay. And you are going to judge his heart. Okay. So I'm going to list off some stuff that he's written, some things that he's done. Okay. So you're going to tell me good, bad, or meh. Okay, all right. And then at the end, we're going to determine whether he goes to hell or he goes to heaven. All right. So he churns out a lot of miniseries. Okay. And a lot of these things are so clearly made to be adapted into, like, Netflix series or movies. Right. So we know that about him. But whenever he's paid by a movie studio or a or Netflix, mm-hmm. he splits the profits 50-50 with whatever artist he was working with. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that is good. That is really good. Yeah, good for him. Because I know that I don't think a lot of people do that. No, he could easily just say it was a work-for-hire thing and oh, take yeah. all the profit. No, especially because comics are such a visual medium. The I've always thought like the artist should, yeah. yeah. All right. 
You look at, yeah, you're like, you're like, strap in, because that was the only good thing. Depending on your point of view, now I'm going to read a quote for you. Okay. The ultimate act that would be taboo to show how bad some villain is was to have somebody being raped, you know? I don't really think it matters. It's the same as, like, a decapitation. It's just a horrible act to show that somebody's a bad guy. Yikes, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, he was the chief creative consultant for Fox on the X-Men movies. You know, so, <laughs> um, all of them? <laughs> I don't know about all of them. So are we talking, sorry, and this is again my, my lapse in, uh, in knowledge about comics and whatever, but are Fox, were they the 2000 Hugh Jackman? They've been the X-Men movies. Just everything. But I would, so Fox I would has say. Fox always owned the X-Men property. Uh, if, for film, yeah. Okay. But I would say that he probably came on at the earliest at, like, X-Men First Class and on. So basically the latest X-Men movies, we'll say. Well, wait, but, okay, so so then are we saying the latest X-Men movies? Yeah. Um, what was the one called where um, they go back in time and... Um, Days of Future Past. Okay, that was really good. I, that was probably, like, my Ugh. favorite X-Men movie. I say, so you're saying good? I'm saying meh. Okay, meh. Because I'm saying I'm saying bad. I'm saying meh because I fucking love that movie. Even independent of the X Men franchise, I actually love Days of Future Past so much. So his comic Civil War was the inspiration for Captain America Civil War. I would say good. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that movie was. Yeah. Good. I say meh because I actually when I saw that movie in theaters, I was like, whatever about it. I would say good. That actually goes into my Beyond the Panel, but we'll discuss that later. So, in the early 2000s, he had a comic line called The Ultimates, which was essentially like an out-of-continuity uh, Avengers. Okay. And um, that was where we get... So, he created Nick Fury. Uh, he had the artist model him on Sam Jackson. So, he's in part responsible for us getting Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury in the Marvel movies. You have to know that I'm going to say good. Like, you have to know that. Yeah. Like... <laughs> In June 2013, Millar was appointed a member of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire for services to film and literature on the Queen's Honours Birthdays list. Wow, so he was knighted? Is he a knight? Is that what you're saying? I, is the member of Most Excellent Order of the British Empire, is that a knight? I don't know. I don't think he's a knight. Okay. I, that's just Queenie being like, you did good. Like, yeah. I like your stuff. She's like, I love those X-Men movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, good, bad, or myth. Meh. Although I don't know, yeah, yeah. I, I thought with your obsession meh. with British culture, I thought for sure you'd I say. I well, I did. Don't think that I didn't think about it for a minute. Where I was like, well, if the Queen loves him, then obviously. Chief creative consultant on the Fox Fantastic Four movies. Okay, that's bad. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty really bad. bad. Really bad. Here's a quote. I think American audiences are quite interesting in that they can handle almost any amount of violence, but the moment the violence becomes sexual violence, it immediately becomes an issue. Well, that's bad. Yeah, like. Yeah. Because he's implying that sexual violence is... He's like, I don't understand. It's not it's... an issue. <sighs> yeah, okay, yeah. His comic, Old Man Logan, was the inspiration for the movie, Logan. Um, I'm even trying to remember if I... What was that? Was that his origin story? No, that's when he's like an old man and he's like... Oh, with the, with the girl? It's the most recent one. Where I he's actually a... didn't watch it. Oh, didn't see it. so meh. So meh, yeah. I liked it. Okay. It's too violent for me, but I liked it. <laughs> In the comic series Kick-Ass 2, he had the hero's girlfriend gang-raped by some supervillains. Yeah, I'm just going to cut you off there. That's not great. That's real bad. Yeah. 
You don't want me to finish the oh, quote? You, oh, you can. God, there's a quote that goes with this? You're done banging superheroes, baby. It's time to see what evil dick tastes like. Yikes. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's spoken out about the underrepresentation of females in comics. That's a fascinating twist. I feel like that's good, but I'm It's good, but, but it's also like, do you only want more women in comics so you, so can, you can fictionally rape them? Rape them? Yeah, yeah, like, what the fuck? Yeah, okay. Okay, so this one's kind of a quote slash what he did. Okay. I pitched this to DC for a laugh years back. The idea was that, like Death of Superman, we had Rape of Wonder Woman, a 22-page rape scene that opened up Jesus. into a gatefold at the end, just like Superman did. What the fuck? What is this guy's deal with rape? Dude, I don't know. I fucking hate my is, Well, that's insane. Okay, I obviously bad. Yeah, bad. What the fuck? Like... He wrote Nemesis, which was a miniseries, essentially, uh, what if Iron Man or Batman, you know, a billionaire instead of being an altruistic force for good, was, like, a supervillain, you Isn't know? Isn't that basically Lex Luthor? Mm, yeah. This is... Because right. he's sort of more like a Batman. Okay. But in this series, the villain forces a boy to rape his sister and fixes the sister's womb so it will collapse if she has an abortion. What the fuck? Yeah, he's... Wait, I'm sorry. Did that... Was that published, or was that just Yeah, something... it was published. What yeah. the fuck? Wait, 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 wait. And was he doing this to illustrate how evil this guy is? Yeah. I guess. But still, that's... Because yeah. it's like, the boy is like, the boy and the daughter are the, the son and daughter of like, essentially, police commissioner Jesus Gordon. Jesus Christ. God, Commissioner Gordon just can't get a fucking break. Well, it's not Commissioner Gordon. Oh, okay. In the, but it's, it's like, It's right. the nemesis, you know, the version of him. Meanwhile, he's still eating his sandwich, just waiting for Batman in to the, pick him up. In the Ultimates, the, uh, you know, the Avengers, mm-hmm. out of continuity, the Hulk tries to rape Betty Ross. Look, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say bad to all rape like do you want me to cut him off because there's a few more oh my god you know what yeah let's just yeah he's like, okay so let's just say that his heart goes to hell yeah yeah I'm just gonna <laughs> thank say, you yeah so <laughs> the feather has spoken yeah. <laughs> I am <a> feather. <laughs> his heart dropped like a stone <laughs> and it just i can't stand mark millar i think yeah he gets um a lot of people credit him with like deconstructing con you know superhero comics like he's making them more real world he's like doing all this stuff but really what i think he ends up doing is like he reinforces a lot of negative things that are already in comics like this sort of like there is a fanboy yeah there is there is a tendency to use rape as a motivating story arc for a a hero and it's like not cool and his stuff kind of just keeps doing that but he seems obsessed with this yeah, yeah doesn't like it's weird because like as far as I know, he's never committed any real-world violence towards women. Yeah. But his work is, like, filled with it. And it turns my stomach to read his stuff. Like, it really, like... Yeah. Because, I mean, like, I tried to keep this mostly to stuff that I've read by him. Right. There's a lot more. Wow. There's a lot more. And it gets weird. There's, like, time travel rapes. There's, like... That's so weird. And, and I'll say this. He, he writes, like, humor. There's a lot of humor in his book. And a lot of this stuff is done tongue-in-cheek. I don't think that that necessarily excuses it. I don't think that makes it okay either. It doesn't make yeah. it okay. And I think, too, that, like, his stuff sells in Hollywood. He he kind of, he, like... Well, just based on the list that you read of all of his shit that's been turned into movies, and they're recognizable movies that I was like, oh, I yeah, that's insane. So, like, I think... He's like the opposite Alan Moore, where he, like, is writing it to be made into movies. Whereas, I think he wishes he was Alan Moore. Yeah. And so the thing, yeah, he well, writes maybe it, he's, like, doing what a lot of people do, where it's like, um confusing uh graphic violence for substance yeah exactly and i think like that's a great point is like people think oh it's so real world and edgy it's like 
he's flooding the market with this garbage and like a lot of his stuff gets translated to film and it gets like and they that stuff gets not necessarily all the graphic rapes and stuff but like a lot of his more hateful ideas Mm -hmm. get they get put in the movie without some of the humor that he would have there or the sort of tongue-in-cheek look at it yeah and so it's like in a sense to me he's like poisoning comics and poisoning movies as well like yeah i really don't like mark millar at all I, so, this is the only thing that I've ever read by him coming yeah. into this. Like, all I knew about him was that um, he wrote the Kingsman movies, mm-hmm. and that was pretty much it. And I also knew that you didn't like him, but, like, um, I mean, obviously before the podcast, like, you weren't, I don't think you wanted to color my opinion until after I'd read it. Right. Um. Yeah, I think that this is, like, a really weird thing, and I feel like this is actually a conversation that's happening right now about like a lot of other public figures where it's kind of like how much of the art do you separate from the artist like we all still listen to michael jackson songs you know what i mean and like not in this house (laughs) that's not true (laughs) yeah like (laughs) but you know what i mean and it's just kind of like how much um i mean i don't i don't have an answer for this but like how much do you remove or stop experiencing culture and art by bad people yeah um that's a good question i don't know where you fall like i think for me i mean i don't think i even know where i fall on that because i feel like a lot of stuff it's like i'm not i don't like the idea of censorship because i think that as humans existing in the world i think that you should be able to um consume art or consume media and be able to contextualize it within either the time period that it was made or maybe even who it was made by and then make your own decision around like whether or not you're actually gonna consume that media like i i think that censorship much like superman in this comic is like if you take it too far then it's like it becomes like the evil that i think we all fear yeah and mark millar is definitely evil that's the thing, though. But then it's like, do we not read this comic? Like, I feel like that's the question, where it's like, how much do you remove the art from the artist? So for me personally, the way that I follow, the way I is like, I guess you have to judge each work of art individually. Each yeah. person and each work of art individually. It's like, has this person done something so monstrous, monstrous that you cannot enjoy their work? You know, like... Right. So, and then for me, with Mark Millar specifically, I've read enough of his work, and as a young man, like... I didn't even necessarily pick up on the rapey subtext. I just yeah. thought it's like, oh, cool, edgy. But doesn't that make it even more insidious? Because he's feeding into that toxic fanboy culture where it's like, oh, women can be raped and it's fine. Right. And so I think with him, because a, a lot of my favorite comic book authors have also dealt with that. Like, Watchmen had dealt with the theme oh, of... Oh, right, like, the rape of Like, Alan Moore and... Sally like, Jupiter and the Comedian. Right. Yeah. Other writers have dealt with this subject matter. To me, it's not the fact that he's dealing with this subject matter. It's the way that... I can't see him as anything more than, like, a cynical edgelord. I see, And I yeah. feel like if you've read Mark Millar's work, if you've read one of them, you've kind of read it all. So, like, okay. this... Would you say the same thing about this book, Superman Red Sun? D- did you see his other work in this comic? No. Okay. Not really. And I think part of that is because DC probably has such tight editorial control over superman yeah that they're not gonna let any of that stuff like well, especially i mean not just superman but also these other iconic characters like batman and wonder woman and the green lantern you know it's like they're not gonna have a scene where batman rapes wonder woman they're just not gonna happen right and so nor should they like <laughs> no and i think to me like i can read and appreciate this book but that's kind of 
it. In terms of his library, out of the stuff that I've read in the past, yeah, I don't really have the desire to go back and re like I've reread some of his past work, and then as an older man, been able to pick up on like how cynical and like kind of disgusting and exploitive it, it is. Yeah. And so I've kind of personally like I know now that I don't have to read any future work by him because I know what his deal is and I know what he tends to churn out. Yeah. So I just avoid it. Um, I will always have a soft spot for this book, maybe even Civil War, because again, tight editorial control. There's yeah. not really a lot of like sickening violence. So for me personally, like I don't read his current stuff. I would probably read this and maybe Civil War for the podcast, but anything else by him, like, I'm not interested in it. He's just too many. Yeah. There's, there's. And that comes from just like a moral standpoint of just feeling like you don't want to support this guy's work or just be, I guess back to what you said, where it's like, you just feel like it's the same thing over and over. It, it comes from a, a couple of different things. Like I don't like how he creates content strictly for, to have it optioned for movies right, and yeah. TV because it's like, it feels kind of culture vulture-y to I me. I mean, that being said, I would watch the fuck out of a TV show based on this comic. Right. Holy fuck. I would, like, oh, my God, HBO, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, um, like, <laughs> please. Well, it'd have to be done through Warner Bros., I think, because, Oh, yeah. say, um, please cut that out. Um, we'll see. <laughs> Kyle? Kyle? <laughs> Don't yell at him. Yeah. He deserves it. No. All right. Violence Against Kyle is okay. So <laughs> I will, I'll come out on record. Comics Code Authority, Violence yeah. Against Kyle, it's fine. Yeah. Um, do you think it's time for Beyond the Panel? Oh, you mean... Beyond the Panel! So this week, what's your Beyond the Panel? My, okay, my Beyond the Panel this week is, this feels very, um, pluggy, but whatever. Um, we just, we finally fucking cracked. Um, we got Disney Plus. They're such fucking sellouts. God, we just really wanted to watch The Mandalorian. Um, okay, so including The Mandalorian, I've been watching all of the Captain America movies. Which, he used to be my least favorite Avenger. He might now be my favorite Avenger. He's awesome, right? He yeah, is. He's cool. Okay, look, I don't know what it was. I I obviously saw all of the Avenger movies. Um, I saw a couple Iron Man movies. I saw a couple Thor movies. And for some reason, I just never watched any of the Captain America movies. So, like, Winter Soldier, like, the original Captain America movie. And then, when I went to go see Endgame, um, his storyline was so fucking good and so when we got Disney Plus, I just doubled down and I ended up watching all of them. Captain America is so fucking good. Like, it's just like, all of the movies are awesome. He is just like an interesting character where again, it's like, I feel like he solves a lot of the problems that I have with Superman, where it's like, he's an American hero. So he's essentially like this patriotic figure. He has the same beats where it's like, he is a lawfully good character where it's like, he upholds, like he doesn't, he tries not to kill if he can. Um, he's like, he's very staunch in his beliefs. Like he's very black and white. And normally I really don't like that, but like Captain America's a superhero is fucking dope. I, he's, I like him a lot. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, he's so earnest and just kind of fun. And yeah. I, I like him too. I think that a lot of that has to do with Chris Evans portrayal of him. Like as just kind of like, yeah, a, he's just a straight laced guy, but he's like, he's tough. And resilient, and I think people respond to that. I also think he did a really good job of maintaining that sort of, like, um, 1940s World War II vet and sort of, like, that, the kind of, uh, the mentality of that generation in the uh, the body of a much younger man living in a different time period. I thought he did a really good job doing that. 
I just, I mean, I love a good period piece. So I don't know why I didn't come to this sooner. Just the fact that most of Captain America, like the first one, takes, I mean, it all takes place in the 1940s. Yeah, except for like the beginning and the end. Like yeah. Maybe like 10 minutes of the movie. And then even, um, even Winter Soldier. Like I just, all of that, I'm, I was, yes, 100%. We'll definitely have to read Winter Soldier, the comic. Oh, yeah. For, for the podcast. That would like, be cool. Yeah, we should read some Captain America. Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like um, the whether or not you like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like, I think it is a great way that, like, comics are sort of brought to the masses. I know that it's, like, the only touchstone that I have for, like, Marvel comics. So, yeah. All right, what's your Beyond the Panel? Uh, my Beyond the Panel is a little dated, but um, I felt like it was kind of important. So, on November 13th, Tom Spurgeon died. He was a comics journalist and historian. He had a five-year tenure as um, the, the editor-in-chief of the Comics Journal. And during that time, he was responsible for really promoting a lot of European comics, mm-hmm. a lot of independent works. And I was not really too familiar with him, but actually researching for this podcast, I came across his website, The Comics Reporter. Yeah. And it's just so clear to me that this guy had such a love for the medium and did everything he could to push and promote it. He was like, you could send him your comics, he would review them. He had all sorts of information on how to make like mini comics. He had like links to different, uh, different artists that you you wouldn't necessarily see promoted in like the mainstream comics. Mm-hmm. So I think he was a really important voice in comics, in general. And I'm, I feel like I discovered this too late, and I like I'm a little sadder for it. Mm. I kind of just wanted to close out this segment with a quote he had about our friend Mark Millar. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) In fact, in comics riddled with exploitation on all levels, Mark Millar is currently one of the two or three role models for an entire segment of the industry. God help us all. (laughs) Aw, wow. Rest in peace, Tom Spurgeon. R.A.P. That was nice. Yeah. Uh, check back next week. Yet, yet, yet. Next week, we're reading Daredevil Born Again by Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli. I have no thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> New episodes. <laughs> I'm just along for the ride, people. I don't know. I'm just like, whatever. You tell me where to be, when to be. Like, I'm like. <laughs> well, I'll tell you that new episodes drop every Wednesday. <laughs> you can find us um, on any place that you listen to your favorite podcasts. We're on iTunes or Google Play or uh, whatever podcasting app you're listening to right now. Um, you can hit us up. We're at Comic Bay Podcast on the Twitters. Stop by your local comic shop or library and pick up some comics to read today. That's Vidania, bitches! <laughs>